Murder 3 Movie Podcast for Wheel Man. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Moloski. I'm not telling you my name, man. <laughs> so many ways that could have gone. Uh, and with a Wheel Man tagline, Kelly Wand. It's like Locke, but without any favors to the concrete. There's more. Yeah, it's like. Going. I mean, I <laughs> like that, more. but that was a little bit deep. Like, yeah, let's have one so more for the masses. It's like Drive, but if Carrie Mulligan's kid had had a Porsche. I'm not sure you know who that car belonged to. All right, give us another one. <laughs> Unfortunately for the motorcyclist, he's not in a movie called Motorcyclist. That's the thing. They don't know which movie they're in. They, didn't, they weren't told the title of the characters. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Motorcycle versus car always works out so well. In Alien, they get, Alien's like, oh, it's called Alien? Ah, fuck you, Sigourney. <laughs> <laughs> if it had been called Dallas, right. Like, Yeah, that's probably what the average person on the crew thought. We're in a movie called Dallas. He's the captain. And then halfway through, what? what? Wait, huh? And then the fourth one, they're like, resurrection? Yes. What? <laughs> Kelly, one. Are there speaking of fourth one? Are there four taglines or just three? They come in threes, like a uh, single file to hide their numbers. All right, so wow. three taglines. So Dingus, don't spoil Wheel Man for anyone because maybe they haven't seen it. Give us some uh, some basics it's about this. Pretty dense too. Those she said hi. I'm I'm Sigourney. <laughs> so brazen, so brazen. Harold. Right. This week we saw Wilman. A 2017 American action crime thriller mystery movie about an adult driver. It was written and directed by Jeremy Rush. It stars Frank Grillo, Caitlin Carmichael, Wendy Moniz, and Garrett Dillahunt. That's the Tron guy, right? <laughs> Please, come on, Kelly Wong. Really? Oh. Uh, Wilman is rated R. What? For pervasive language and violence. <laughs> they could have just what? said F bombs throughout. Well, the, the, which actually, somebody never... did. Somebody on uh, IMDb did say it is also TVMA for around 100 F words. Oh, I wouldn't have. Oh, I mean, counted F words. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Way to watch the movie. There's probably an <laughs> algorithm that does that, though. I'm sure there is for parents. A hundred sure seems a little excessive, really. A hundred? It sounds I cool if they're just trying to make a hundred. Like some parent good. said that it might have been just a parent trying to warn other parents away. I might believe that about forty-four inch chest. Mm. I like how in a PG you can have two, one, and then in an R one, one, okay, one. In a PG you have one. And PG thirteen, by the way. PG you get none. Yeah. Kelly Wand. Okay, so it goes zero, one. PG you well, just get a shark. You go four years later, the 13-year-old 17, yeah, he gets 100. Like, <laughs> like <a word> identification. <laughs> well, it's between, no, it goes either you get zero, you get one, or you get two plus. Right. And that could be infinity. But you only want them when you're young. When you're older, you're like, eh. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm not, I mean, come on. It's, it's, a, it's a great I, bit of punctuation. It's a great bit of, like, yeah. verbal uh, yeah. filler. And, uh, I think there's a reason we like to say it. So I think it's a it's a 
It's a purgative. You know, he doesn't cuss, by the way. There's a great moment where he's going to cuss in front of his 13-year-old, and he reigns it in, Kelly yeah, Wan, with does. the drawer, with the, the, the stuff drawer. Yeah. I think he does it later, though, doesn't we he? Know, hold on. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Kelly yeah. Wan, did did the uh, MPAA miss anything in terms of – wait, Dingus, why does this have an MPAA rating? Uh, it 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 generally just has a TVMA. I didn't label oh, it, oh, as, I a, see. An, okay. and it as a Netflix movie because I think they're just – becoming movies now well it's not an um, MPAA. i was misspeaking it's it, it's in tvma for the things that you mentioned it's not an r rating right good. But, but if you but if you go through all the certifications and if you delve deep enough then you eventually you find that it's rated r for pervasive language and violence but not and i don't know if that it wouldn't get an mpaa rating if it wasn't theatrically released would it uh not necessarily, but I don't know that it wasn't because some of these Netflix movies are being theatrically theatrically released in very small quantities just just in case. And huh, I do right, think well, it is that, for awards reasons. Well, I didn't do my due diligence then on the box office because I didn't uh, think that it had a theatrical release. So all I no, can tell I, you – I think you're right about that, but I, I honestly think they'll, they'll sneak it in anywhere. Uh, okay, so well, I, I don't think it has any box office to speak of. Well, what I can tell you is it's at 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic, it doesn't have enough reviews uh, on, on Metacritic. Like uh, Rotten Tomatoes will accept anyone. Metacritic's a little bit more exclusive. It does, it, you need at least four reviews on Metacritic to have uh, a, a Metacritic rating. It's only got three right now. So oh, really? Stand Why by. Why don't we qualify? Like I said, Metacritic is, is pretty selective. Rotten Tomatoes, they'll That's have anyone. Point. Yeah, right. we're not on Rotten Tomatoes either, are we? We don't want to be. Hmm. Well, we also we don't we we're three of us. Like, would we be on three times? Like, and we don't always agree on something. Right? How would we codify a review? Yeah, Kelly wanted like, but they have to do that all the time. They have to go. All right, this is a red tomato. No, but we're not a single reviewer. Like, we're we're not writing reviews. We're we're three guys just hanging out chatting about but a movie. Cisco and we're not reviewing had, it. Didn't. Didn't Ebert and Siskel have one? Uh, Roger Ebert has a – I forget what it's called. Is it maybe RogerEbert.com? Like he's got a review outlet, and he has singular reviews. Like a single person writes a review for his outlet. Hmm. Right. I, I think at, I I know think at the movies or whatever, when Siskel was still alive, I think he passed away before Rotten Tomatoes is really a going concern. Remember the and, Benz? And Kelly Wan, do you consider what we're doing reviewing? I don't consider it anything. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. That's, that's going to get us on Rotten Tomatoes. It's going to get <laughs> With us that kind on of testimony and confidence. Well, that's uh, my review of us. I'm just, you know, I'm Kelly Wand <laughs> fan club anyway. Well, Kelly Wand, I would like you to instead of reviewing synopsizing, let's get to what you do best and get a synopsis uh, of Wheelman. I'm pretty bad at most other things, old Gray. But do you know what you'd call it? That's yes. What you're I would call it the Wilmopsis. Yeah, sure. That's okay. not bad. Yeah. And it would also have a red trunk. See Rotten Tomatoes? Mm. This is worth math. Wait, Wait you would give it trunk. a red trunk? Yeah, I'd paint the trunk red. I wanted it to be nondescript. <laughs> Kelly, uh, we're doing bits from the movie already. What do you think of that? You That's what happens it. when you don't get in there with your synopsis. If you lollygag, the podcast is, runs ahead without you. I'm starting you to wonder if Kelly even comes up with the title of the opsis himself or just waits for you to. Yeah, he waits for me, I'm sure. No, I'm always disappointed when he's wrong. Well, usually they're boring, but occasionally I think of a good one. 
to make up for this isn't sure. one of yeah okay well let's let's hear it and bragging uh, about this one wheel monopsis some stuff they probably would have said in Wheelman if I'd written it. <laughs> Based on what little I can remember of it. <laughs> Why is the trunk red? I asked for Song of Summer with whispering peach polka dots. Oh, I guess I misheard. Uh, <laughs> A word leaking oils all wheel mopsis. That was your bond opening. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a rush job. Spoiler alert. Later. Yeah, so my bitch said I couldn't rock a hawk, so I just grabbed some shears and hung them over my drapes. Whoa! A brown paper sack? Let me see. Just sit back. Just sit back. Sit back. Back. That's my lunch. Just sit back. Your other back. No, not on your partner. He's black. That's it. Hey, lunch, you're weird, man. I like you. What's your name? You don't need to know my name. What's his name? I'm the wheel man. I think that's a euphemism for driver. My name is I want my fucking money. I was named after my niece. Oh, driver don't do names. Oh, look at me. I'm a professional criminal who doesn't socialize with his backseat passengers. Oh, I like you, man. My name's motherfucker. It's named after my dad. Before he had me, I think we should just known as masturbator. Wheelman's car phone rings. Look, I don't need you knowing details of my life, all right? He answers the phone. Hey, sweetie, I left you the rest of my pot pie in the garbage disposal. Daddy will be home sometime this weekend. Hey, is that your dad? Tell him I said... Ryan? Is that Ryan there? Put him on, that fucking kid. He's a bad influence on you. He hangs out with the wrong crowd. He's a bad influence on you, honey. I was in a Purge movie. (laughs) Ryan, shh. He'll hear you. Bye, Daddy. Ryan, get that thing out of my face. Wheelman drives to a bank and watches as his new friends go inside and start killing a guard. His phone rings. His screen says the caller's name is out of area. Wheelman, where's the drop? What do you think of me? Uh, I don't know. You seem 38, kind of vulnerable. Pisces? Where's the drop? Where are the other two? What do you think of the other two? What do you think of the number two? They're in the bank, Rob. Where's the drop? What do you think of the bank? What do you think of those hedges in the parking lot? What do you think of them? <laughs> uh, I guess they're okay. I prefer one shape like animals. I think we should shave animals to look like plants. Wheelman's two new friends come running out of the bank giggling and carrying bags with dollar signs on them. By the way, I told these guys to kill you. Leave them. Yo, I'll put the money in the trunk. Don't worry, the wheelman's not going anywhere. He and I had a rapport on the way over here. Wheelman drives off. In their surprise, the friends shoot their fists and shake their guns at his rear windshield. (laughs) They're so confused. Wheelman drives around. A police car gets behind him, turns on its siren, and pulls up alongside. The cops all, Ha ha, your name in Captain America was Brock Rumlow. <laughs> he speeds off. Wheelman's phone rings. Wheelman! All right, now I need you to get out and count the money. What the? Fine. Guess I'll stop here in the street. Okay, one dollar, two, 
Three cents plus 20. Wait, that's my wallet money. Okay, one dollar, two, three. Ah, fuck it. Let's just call it 200. He gets back in the car. Uh, about 200. What? I said 200. 200 grand in the trunk. What do you think of my questions? Uh, <laughs> sort of hit and miss. How about now? Uh, yeah, so where am I going? Count the money again. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's almost 200. What? <laughs> Wheelman hangs up, goes back, opens the trunk. Okay, one, two, five. Wait, that's my stubble. Start over. Zero, one, two. Wait, one, wait, one, two. Wait, one, wait. Wait, one. A motorcyclist comes up behind him, watches him for a bit, then loses interest. Wheelman calls his <laughs> friend from Tron. Hey, Tron, what's going on, man? This guy keeps making me count stubble, and those other two guys tricked me by me leaving them behind at the bank and me driving off with their money. Uh, this is Wheelman, by the way. <laughs> you ripped my machine, and I think, hey, baby, leave me a couple lines. I need to sign that birthday card, too. There's a beep. Wheelman sighs irritably and hangs up. He drives around and notices a motorcyclist is following him. He drives into a tunnel and parks in the middle of it. The motorcyclist does too. People drive past, honking with annoyance. He takes out his machine gun, but the motorcyclist tricks him by turning on its headlight. Ugh, my eyes! So brazen! <laughs> his daughter calls. Hi, Daddy. Ryan just farted in my face and told me to call you and ask if you could smell it. Yeah, I can. And put Buckstick on the phone there. I want to talk to him. <sighs> what do you want, Purge, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, you're alone with my daughter. She's 13. How old are you again? 17. Don't worry, bro. I brought protection. What movie are you guys watching? Uh, Fear? <laughs> oh man we also got uh kate beer and lolita and virgin spring all right you watch those and you go home you hear me uh, do i have to watch all of them i got a lot of homework i want you up by nine so you watch all of them at the same time Ryan hangs up on him. The old man takes out his irritation on the motorcyclist by making the guy somehow crash into a parked car off screen. He drives to a loading dock, swarming with guys in trench coats. One's all, okay, shh, here he comes, get ready. Everybody drop your pants on three and say, ha ha, purge. The old man slams into reverse. What the? Reverse? Oh, how come we didn't block his way out? God. <laughs> Wheel man drives to a bar, then goes inside, drags the Tron guy out, and makes him sit in the front seat while he goes around to the driver's side. Tron's friends mill around outside the bar's entrance and go, Hey, man, he was just about to tell us the big door story. Not cool. <laughs> I really like that actor. Wheel man gets out his machine gun and waves it around. One guy's, oh, you point that thing at me, you better be prepared to, whoa, hey, okay, whoa. <laughs> I didn't know saying that would make you point it at me again. Sorry. JK, JK, dude. Fuck. You're weird. <laughs> Wheelman drives off with Tron in the front seat. Damn it, Tron, you set me up? Huh? You set me up? Man, it ain't me. It's the Philadelphia guys and the wet end guys. They paid me a lot of money to trick you. He grabs Wheelman's gun away and shoots himself in the face. 
Oh, wait, did I get you? I won, right? Uh, right. Oh, I'm pretty sure this is the best Tron movie. Except for Black Hole. He loses interest, so Wheelman pushes him out onto the curb. Rest in peace, Tron. May your legacy live on. The guy driving a street sweeper behind him is all, Thanks, asshole. Wheelman, <laughs> Wheelman finds some Red Bull Tron was drinking, staining his windshield, so he uses some of his daughter's laundry to wipe it off, but really just smears it. His car phone rings. Wheelman! <laughs> that really is your last name. I looked it up on IMDb. First name, Willie. Yeah, well, at least it ain't Harry Hole. That's what my tombstone will say if my daughter doesn't fuck it up. Why do you sound like Casey Affleck in this? Kelly can't act. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. We know you have a daughter. Yeah, I just mentioned her. So who's the idiot now? He hits Hag up and then calls his daughter. Hey, Stinky, is Ryan still there? Nah, he was in anatomy in two minutes. At least he's getting better. Yeah, listen, baby doll, I need you to learn how to drive my Porsche and drive it to the parking structure at the corner of 60th and 9th. And then sit on the roof and just stand there and wait. Hopefully that's safe. Got it? Oh, you didn't hang up on me, and I just heard everything. <laughs> Damn it! He hits hang up again. Baby, make that uh, the one on 59th and 11th, okay? Ha oh, ha, you fucked up again, I can say. <laughs> Ooh! Not going that good for wheel, man! <laughs> Okay, honey, Google and see if there's a parking structure on 49th. That'd be a miracle. Hang on, I'll do it. Uh, there's one on 49th. Okay, honey, did you hear that? Ah, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Eventually he gets it right, and then calls his ex-wife. She's all, hello? Hey, uh... Yeah, some guys might... Hang on, there's a bunch of strange men pounding on the door and kicking it. Hi. Hey, are those guns in your head, or are you just... Wah! Damn it! <laughs> Wheelman drives to a street. He grabs the money from the trunk, walks away from the car for a bit, then goes, Fuck, where's my Molotov? Behind him, his car goes up in flames. He's all, damn it. He goes to meet his daughter at the parking structure. She's all, Dad, what's with the blood on your groin? Did you beat up Ron? Did he ask about me? Would you quit clowning around and get in? She gets in. He drives a couple of feet and then goes, okay, I get out here. Uncle <laughs> Sam's. I gotta give fuckheads this bag of money so they don't kill stupid mommy. And remember, if some idiot ever tells you to do something, don't do it. He gets in and walks up with the bag. She sighs, starts the car, drives down a couple levels, then apparently gets lost and drives to a level. <laughs> I hate it when the kids are so hapless. She watches him argue with some gunmen. Her mom gets shoved out of view back over her head. Then Wheelman sets his own arm on fire and runs off giggling back to the car. Well, the bad guy shake their fists with guns in them. 
<laughs> oh, way to go, baby. Driver. Wait, was that mom out there? Why didn't you bring her with you? And we could all leave together? It's a... nah, uh, don't worry. She's safe. <laughs> At least she was when I abandoned her and then started shouting to the gunman where she was. We're not, so that's an issue. But don't worry. I used to be friends with a guy from Tron. Remember the cars and that? Daddy, I was born after Legacy came out. The guy shoots guns at <laughs> but he tricks them by telling his daughter to lower her head. And the gunmen don't think of shooting lower or at the tires. Wheelman and his precocious daughter drive to a parking garage with some people in it. Hey, uh, the guy behind me says, you guys still watch Walking Dead. He speeds off while the guys all shoot the car behind him. Then he gives the main guy an empty bag and drives off with his daughter to a diner. A woman sitting inside. All right, go ask that woman if she wants to be your mom. Don't worry, she windows. She won't see me. Daddy, Ryan says he wants to date both of us, you and me. Yeah, well, we'll see. Two minutes. I don't know if I can work with that. Now go inside and start hugging that lady till she buys you a club sandwich. <laughs> daughter goes in and hugs the strange woman. Wheelman smiles at us as if to say, Have kids, but teach him to drive and be a widower. Don't get divorced unless you're good at throwing the Molotovs. From his car phone, the guy's all, Oh, I'm still listening. <laughs> Words tell me whose job it was to turn on the sirens off screen every other shot. The end. <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. Wheel man. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dingus, why don't you go first? What's an over and an under? And uh, what do you, do you think of this movie? <laughs> All right. So I really, really like this a lot. <laughs> I like this movie a whole lot. Um, mainly because um, I think Frank Grillo can carry it. Uh, I mean, it's got some holes in it. That's fine. And uh, But the, I think that it's just beautifully directed. It's got a great understanding of how to, how to, how to shoot cars in sort of a beautiful way and, and driving in a beautiful way. Uh, but mainly, it's, it's Frank Grillo's face that, that sells this for me. Um, uh, so over, I would put drive. I mean, I just freaking love drive. Uh, so drive is quite a bit about this. Uh, but I still really love this. And under this, um, I'm going to pull a Tom here, because uh, Tom has 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 uh, I think effectively uh, said TV shows for this kind of thing. Um, this isn't a TV show, but it's a short, and it's a BMW short. Uh, and the moment that I saw the uh, BMW logo. In on the wheel in that first in the opening sequence when he's testing the car and I'm like why why are we doing this and then I realize he's testing the car and you see the BMW logo I immediately thought of Joe Carnahan um, which obviously this is not directed by Joe Carnahan but I immediately it. thought about it but he yeah, does he's the money it. behind it I mean I'm sure yeah he's hugely instrumental in this getting made yeah but it. Immediately made me think of those BMW shorts, one of which uh, Joe Carnahan directed. But I would put the actual the actual short I'm talking about is the one uh, called The Escape, um, which was. Uh, I mean, I I really do love those BMW shorts. I think they were brilliantly done. I think it was a, an incredibly interesting and uh, clever idea uh, as sort of 
a way of branding BMWs. Um, and of course, uh, for those, uh, the, the Escape stars John Bernthal, first of all, who Frank Grillo, I mean, you can't, I mean, I think of them in sort of in the same mental breath. Um, but Dakota Fanning's in it. Vera Farmiga's in it. It was directed by Neil Blomkamp. Um, and it, it, it has the BMW 5 Series in it. But I really love the I love the escape of all of those uh, and, and all of their many different ways that the BMW film series works. I know this is kind of outside the bounds, but for an under, I would slightly put uh, the escape from the BMW film series. Mm-hmm. Kelly Wand, what is an over and an under? And what did you think of Wheelman? <clears throat> My over is drive also. Um but I had that before Dinga said it, so it's okay, isn't it? You can care. I mean, Drive is bleaker and more surreal, and I kind of wish. I really loved the first two thirds of Wheelman, um, and then I thought it got too nice, guys, with the kid being too helpful in the third act. Like I liked her performance, but I was kind of bummed when she showed up because I was sort of enjoying Wheelman's stress levels and Frank Grillo's face, like Dingus was saying. And then I don't know. I didn't like it what it was them as partners as much maybe that's only five minutes of the movie and i'm misremembering it but it felt longer uh, my under's drive angry which doesn't have enough driving in it or good part <laughs> and wait i can always get confused which is the one with with dwayne johnson and which is the one with nicholas cage nicholas dwayne cage johnson's is... faster faster and drive yeah. angry is in nick cage okay i confused yeah. those. yeah two. i always forget faster so now i remember Gotten it so many times, I've forced myself to remember it. Uh, well, I'll, I'll make a, a, a trifecta because uh, – so for me, and I, I picked this for us to see. You can read a, a short review I wrote at, at quarter3.com. Uh, uh, for me, this is squarely in a genre uh, with Drive. Drive is also my over uh, about you know the, the, the car driver is a glamorized hero. Because uh, we all, you know, we all drive a car, and we could all imagine ourselves being a heroic car driver. Like you're sitting in traffic, and you think, wouldn't it be cool if I was in a car chase? Or like, it's something that I think everyone understands. Driving a car, and imagine if it was dramatic and cool and high stakes instead of just work a day going from point A to point B. Uh, so there's a genre about car drivers being cool. And I think Drive is one of the best movies in that genre because Nicholas Winding Refn brings his own touch to it. It's a great Jose Nomini script, uh, and there's a lot of uh, uh, Refn, Winding Refn style in it. Uh, Drive has a – I enjoy how sort of uh, impassive Ryan Gosling is in it. Uh, so I like Drive a lot. Uh, now, under this, I'm just going to – I'm not going to bracket this. I'm going to give you a worst-case example of this <laughs> genre. And – I think it's unfortunately one of Edgar Wright's best directed movies, but Baby Driver I think is terrible for the same reason that I think this and a similar movie, Locke with Tom Hardy, are great, and Mm -hmm. that is the lead actor. Baby Driver stars a guy named Anselm Elgort, and I'm sure he works for some people, but I just find the guy terribly grating. He's smug. uh, He doesn't have any gravity. He's He's a dumb kid, and... I, I think he scuttles what Edgar Wright is trying to do with Baby Driver, because to have a movie about how cool a driver is, you need a cool driver. You know, Walter Hill did a cool one, Ryan O'Neill way back when, uh, like, uh, like Mad Max was a driver movie. Um, 
So I think Frank Grillo is is amazing in this. I've liked Frank Grillo for a long time. Like Dingus mentioned, I think he carries this movie, and he damn well better because a lot of this movie is just a <laughs> shot of his face. And that's why it reminds me of Locke, not just the immediacy and the intimacy of Locke, but Locke is all Tom Hardy's face dealing with crises, and it, it's a fascinating movie, and it's very compelling. So this, Jeremy Rush has taken this, hey, what if a driver was really cool genre – and he's given it that intimacy of Locke, uh, and because it's Frank Grillo, I think it works wonderfully. So not quite as good as Drive, way, way better than Baby Driver, where Anselm Elgort, you just have to watch that guy for 90 minutes, and it's, it's insufferable. Um, so, but yeah, I really liked this as well. So, uh, let's see. Um, how, how do you guys feel about the fact that one of our main listeners who wrote in this week has never seen the movie Locke? And his name is Chris Markertson, has never seen the movie really? Locke. Well, I don't I'm think surprised. Locke is into Locke is a pretty obscure movie. Like I don't it's very much an art house film. I don't I can't I can't imagine many people have seen it. So yeah, but Chris, Chris knows movies. Chris isn't I mean no, I I Chris should, hasn't seen Locke. Yeah, I think if I you think like movies, you should definitely see Locke. Locke. Like Locke is a is a I, I wonder too how much people are turned off by Locke knowing that oh it's just a guy in his car. Um but when you first brought this up, Tom, <laughs> and I, I, I understand. I, I understand what you're saying. So I'm sort of goofing on Chris a little bit because he because Chris says my dad keeps talking about Locke and how I should see it, Maybe and he wish you could have seen it, but he has not. Um, but you you were talking about Locke in reference to this movie, and I can't remember how you put it when you were talking about it, like the action action version of Locke or something like that. Well, Did you well, say this, something about that? Yeah, yeah well, so this movie – I, I think this movie, and I wonder if how much of this is a response to Locke. Like I'd be really curious to hear about the evolution of the script that Jeremy Rush wrote mm. and also directed because early on and for probably about two-thirds of the movie, it looks like it's going to be Locke where you are with yeah. – the, the main character in the car the entire time. And you begin in the car, by the way, before he even gets in it. So basically you right. are the perspective of the car, which is kind of cool uh, because he gets out of the car a few times and you're like, okay, we're going to wait in the car so the camera's never going to leave the car. I don't, I don't think he has to change cars, though. That's the thing. Well, well, at the beginning, the I, was, I was worried about that. I, I thought it was going to be we're going to have the camera in the back seat the whole time. And I, 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 kind of, I kind of think you're supposed to think that, and I was okay with that. And I think it's actually uh, kind of subversive and cool when he changes cars. Yeah. Like when he gets out of yeah. the car and, and he torches it, and then you're like, wait a minute. What? He, first of all, he's yeah. not a wheelman anymore. He's, he's walking. He's on foot. These rules that it seemed the, the movie was going to – these rules that it seemed the movie was going to establish are now being broken. Where are we going? What are we doing? And it turns out it's handing off to another car. Uh, and driver, and another driver. Which I, my my big problem with this movie, God, I loved this movie. I, it, this movie really needed to end ten minutes before it did because I, yeah. here's where I think, and I don't want to second guess a guy's script. I can imagine Jeremy Rush needed to give it uh, like an action ending, and maybe he needed some redemption. But when <sighs> uh, when he says. When he says that stuff to his daughter about tell your Uncle Rich to keep his promise, uh, yeah. never Ugh. do something that you're uncomfortable doing, like that's Ugh. a goodbye. That's movie language for I'm not seeing you anymore. And yeah. I think the movie should have ended with her getting out of the, the parking structure because it's super tense while she's driving in the parking structure. And you're wondering, well, the camera's on her. Is something going to happen? Yeah. And I think it, she should have the moment that you get that relief when – 
she's out of the parking structure. I think the movie should have ended there because uh, I think it's written. Maybe it's her like, dream. I think it's written <laughs> like he's going to his death. I mean, that's that's clearly good. Well, point, he thinks so, but yeah, I don't know. He I thinks so. Think Does he? Re- I mean, he's worried, of course. He's but not sure. Here's here's my thinking about why, and and this is why too. As I was watching the movie, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to end now, isn't it? This is awesome. This is so cool. He knew he was in too deep. He knew, for instance, Garrett Dillahunt. Everybody, all these witnesses saw him with Garrett Dillahunt, and Garrett Dillahunt's body, with presumably his fingerprints all over it, is laying on the side right. of the road. Uh, you know, the mob is really going to let him get away with all of this, like. It really did seem to me like one of those movies about a doomed man. Yeah. So when he got out of the car, I, I, you know, I. Well, here's I, the thing: he doesn't know he has a car, and he doesn't want to put his daughter in the position of having to bail him out. So he dismisses her. Although then you go, wait, was this speech meant to manipulate her into into turning around and picking him up? Don't do something you don't that doesn't feel right. Like, would he know that she would think yeah. that he's saying, and then turn around? Did he do that on purpose? I did think that when I was watching. Uh, I don't song. think so. I think that it seems out of so. character because he loves So we have a we have a listener named Cap. This is this is a guy who says he's uh, I assume it's a guy. He says long time listener, first time caller. Um, so Cap Watkins says when he's saying goodbye to his daughter in the car, our hero uses the same "What did I tell you? Do you remember?" trope twice in the same scene. Once about speed and timing, and, and once again a minute later about watch your lines. And, and Cap says specifically to you, Kelly, spoiler for Kelly Wand, this is bad writing. <laughs> oh, I disagree. I disagree hard. Yeah. How do you disagree hard? Uh, okay, so the, the, um, the, the crux of this movie and why I would put it up close to drive as far as a uh, movie about drivers being cool uh, – is it's it's this guy in the middle of a heist and he's in over his head and this scheme is closing around him and he's got to get out of it he's got to resolve it and normally you would like throw a wife or a daughter in there to sort of raise the stakes and it does like but but it does it in a very domestic way in that he's dealing it's not like oh my daughter's going to get kidnapped I mean it eventually does that but he's dealing with the fact that his 13 year old daughter that he's struggling with the custody situation that her boyfriend mm-hmm. is there like he's dealing with these mundane domestic things while this this terrible plot is closing in around him and then ultimately of course she gets involved uh he's trying to protect her but what we discover is that he is i don't i don't know that you would necessarily say a good dad because i there's certainly things i am not i am i've never raised a child unfortunately but there are certainly things that made me think these are bad parenting decisions but i do think he he cares deeply about his daughter and the movie reveals that in increments and i think it especially reveals it when he finds out that he's kind of passing along his identity like who he is, what he does. The, yeah. the, the the conversation with his wife, where she's like, "You're driving again, even though it's not about the money. You can't get put it down. You can't." And this is the only inkling, by the way, that he's not doing it just as a job. Like that he's got some passion for this. That there's something mm. beyond just jobs for this. He went to prison for this unspecified warehouse fire, but in this brief conversation with his wife, she thinks he's just doing it for the thrill. That he can't put it down. That he's addicted to driving. Mm. Uh, but you then find out that this is something he's also passing along to his daughter when he says to her, you know, just like we did at the track, but slower. 
you know, and that's just that's good writing, by the yeah. way, because it's not because it's like, wait a minute, what does she know about a track? She, she's 13. she's thirteen. She's driving cars, and then you find out that he's using what he knows as a driver to impart. And I think they're good writing. I I would certainly accept a disagreement, but he's imparting what he knows about driving as life lessons to her. Like follow and, the line and down. I mean, yeah. And it's not it's not follow the line and it's not watch the line. It's find the line. Oh, find that's, the line. That's, Very good. That's the that's the art of racing. Is it's it's navigation really. Racing isn't just going fast. It's navigation, and it really is finding that line through a curve, finding a line through other cars. Like there's a metaphor here that Jeremy Rush does not push. He puts it in three simple words. That even if you don't really know what those, those mean in racing terms, I think are very evocative. It's basically like find your way through life. Find the line. I think that's right. great writing. Works for now, writing. Now, I think what uh, Cab might be objecting to is previously he'd said, you know, what do we talk about? We talk about speed and timing. Um, so maybe Cab's saying that's too much with the find the line bit. But it's like how he's communicating to his daughter. It's how he's – trying to teach her and raise her. It's how he knows to be a dad, I I think. Um, He does schedule a job on the same night that his daughter's over for the weekend. Like, no, it's my weekend. Like, he could have just switched weekends with their He's not scheduling a job. He has to go to work. I mean, that's what he says. I have to go to work. I mean, he's just going to work. He knew she was there. He took her for the Friday or whatever it is. Well, we also like I because I remember asking Dingus about this. Like, can 13-year-olds be left unsupervised? Uh, that, that struck me as I mean, I don't, I don't know. She's 13. So when we see her, we go, all right, well, she's not like a little kid. Like the one in Nice Guys looked, looked younger, even. Like when she drives a car it's, and she looks poised. But I do think, you know, he's a, he's a, he, went, he went to jail. He's in debt for supporting his family. Like he, he's definitely trying. He's not, he's, I'm sure he, he certainly has his failings, but it, the, the fact that he's in the, doing this job. I don't think it's necessarily like this movie has didn't skipped, get a babysitter. Yeah, this movie has skipped past the obligatory scene in other crime thrillers where the guy's like, "Nope, I'm out," and then they're like, "Well, come on, you're really in for money with the mob. You've got to do it." He's like, "Nope, I'm out," and then he thinks about it. He's got some crisis. Like this movie skips past that early stage where mm-hmm. the good guy has to take on the gig. There's a there's a, a fascinating but I think terrible movie called. Uh, a brawl on cell block 99 that just came out that's similar to this in structure but it's got all that stuff glommed on the beginning like this just cuts to the the heist the crisis and we don't have to hear about how oh he didn't really want to take the job uh we instead in the course of the movie hear that he's indebted because he borrowed money to take care of his family while he was in prison for three years presumably covering someone else's ass um, right yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, it's true. He owes three years though, and I he is that prison time that he didn't do. Well, it, that's the thing is it, well, it's all of this is kind it, like it, again. There's not a lot of detail, which I really like about mm-hmm. it. But we know yeah. he was in prison for three years, and he had to borrow a lot of money to care for his family. And I think that's it, right? Like there's a warehouse fire. Like those are the yeah, only three salient facts, aren't they? The fire is there was a fuck up, and that's why he went up to prison. There was I didn't fire. even. Really get the borrow a lot of money thing. I just got it was more about protection in prison. But I I can totally understand what you're saying. They do. And, no, he does. He and, does say that he borrowed the money for his family. Oh, like, okay. That, right. that definitely is a, a a plot point, and that's why Garrett Dillahunt 
has him for this job is he has to do it uh, yeah. because he's in, he's indebted to the, this. Uh, I presume this is Boston, right? Like he's indebted to the mob in Boston, uh, right? But uh, but you know the other thing that Cap. Um, uh, what is his has name? A problem Cap? With. I was calling him. What's his name? Cap, like Captain Cap. Oh, okay, Cap, right? Okay. Cap Hawkins. So, so just we'll just call him Cap because uh, he he signs his email Cap. Um, so um, the other thing he has a problem with is that, and I, I understand why is the problem with it, but I don't have a problem with it necessarily. Is that the he says the plot? Yeah, he he call he basically says this is sort of a uh, a paint by numbers movie about a double cross driver, but. Um, the plot tries to so hard to make it not about the money, but I think there's a lot more going on in the plot. Even though this is, this movie is a pretty lean, like a, a hour and 20 minutes of a movie. Uh, it's pretty lean, but I understand a lot of what's going on. And as far as the, uh, you know, it's not just about money. It's about respect. <laughs> it's about, who is going to rule this particular territory. It's about who's going to be disrespected. It's not just about this 200 and whatever thousand dollars. It's about who gets to say, I took that from that person and now they are weaker. I mean, there's a, there's, there are other things that are stacked up and Wheelman is caught in the middle of this. Right, right. It's it's definitely not uh, right. Yeah, and and that's the thing is that's kind of what's thrilling. I, I find compelling about the movie is not knowing what's going on and having right. it revealed. Like, okay, who's the guy yeah. texting him? Who's who's calling him? Who's in the motorcycle? Who's this Clay fella? Why isn't Clay telling him who he's working for? Where's yeah. he? Where's this? Who are these people loitering around the gas station where he's dropping off the money? Like, this is a, a movie where you know nothing going in. Like, you're literally a passenger in the back of a car, and the movie starts. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love that. So, Cap, when you say it's by the numbers, I will agree with – I definitely agree with that. But I would ask – I would be curious if you were here. Cap, would you recognize that it's by the numbers, but it has three very specific and I feel very special things going for it? One being that lock conceit where you're only in the car, uh, like a normal paint-by-numbers one, best-case scenario drive, worst-case scenario baby driver. Those are, are <laughs> conventional structures. This, I think, is bucking that conventional structure by playing like Locke. I would say that's one way that this is not paint by numbers and it's kind of special. The second way, uh, Frank Grillo. I love this guy. I've loved him since I first saw him in Warrior uh, with uh, Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Uh, he is he's, – he's, he's great in this. He's great in this, and it, he's great in pretty much everything I've seen him in, and there's just something so – just likable about him and i'm sure that chicks find him hot and just i find him kind of paternal and i'd like to hang out with him and i want him to be my dad and i want him to train me at the gym like he's just this great handsome awesome tough but but kind and compassionate every man uh i just love frank grillo so i would say that's the second thing that makes this special and then the third thing that makes this special is the fathership angle which is I think a big payoff in that great scene with that actress where he says, find the line. Like I love that actress and I love Frank like that. That gives Frank Grillo the chance to just show this incredible softness when he closes the hood in the front of that Porsche, which is where a trunk is on a Porsche, by the way, which is a little weird. And he smiles at her. Like it's, he hasn't had this expression on his face throughout the movie. There's, there's one shot of him smiling through the windshield at his daughter. And we have never seen that. Like that's how he is Hmm. as a dad 
And it's just so vintage Frank Grillo to just show us this nice guy. Because um, even in the gray, in the gray, he's the asshole, but he has a cool mm-hmm. ending. Uh, he's got this sort of cool, you know what, I'm really soft on the inside ending in the gray, which I really loved. Um, it's, it's interesting to me here to hear you say uh, the word soft in relation to this, um, because for me, the parts that really touched me early on were his vulnerability, which is a slightly different color than soft. And I like that you say soft about how he's dealing with his daughter, because that's where the, the movie really worked for me. I, I, I understand the idea that, you know, maybe it should have ended earlier than it did but his scenes with his daughter and teaching her to and not just teaching her but going over the these lessons because i remember learning i remember my dad teaching me how to drive and he taught me how to drive in his triumph spitfire he he, you know he had a really nice car when it would run because it's a british racing car um he that's how i learned how to drive a car that had a stick shift was driving this in a parking lot. And I remember learning those, those lessons. Uh, and so when he's like going, just, he's just reviewing those. I love those moments, but it's earlier on when he's talking on the phone with her and he's showing this weird vulnerability where he, I'm not allowed to pick up the phone, but I have to pick up the phone and my daughter and I'm talking to this dude. And, but th- there are little moments where Frank Grillo does these little things with his face, just these little things where he shows vulnerability, which is not easy to do when you're, when you're, when you're this guy who was this tough dude in winter soldier. I mean, you could, Frank Grillo could make a career out of just being a tough dude that beats people over the head with a baton, but he doesn't do that. Here he's he doesn't feel like that big beefy dude. He feels like a guy who's like down in his luck and also looking after his kid and feeling uh, weak. And what am I going to do? And I love that that he that this guy has all of these different colors in this performance. I'm crazy about this performance. And he's also dingus. It's a performance where he's it, it, he he's like driving, like he's attentive to his driving. Yeah, like he's yeah. playing a guy who's a good driver, who's paying attention, who's checking yeah. the mirrors, who's looking. Yeah. At, he's got a like he he's playing someone doing like it's a non fake physical gesture, right? Like he's playing yeah. someone right. who's a good driver who's driving attentively while he's yelling at Clay, and then he switches yep. over, and and this is a great transition where he's yelling at Clay, you know, fuck you, give me a name, give me a name, who is it? And then his daughter calls, and he he settles down. Like, none of that anger that he feels towards Clay, mm. he completely firewalls that when he starts talking to his daughter. Ah, and that's just a well great played. moment. And it's just like when you, these, these layers that he's got and these subtle little things that Frank Grillo can achieve, uh, I just love him as an actor. Ah, that's love- a great way to put it. The firewall thing is a great way to put it because you see it early on when Shea Wiggum is in the backseat and he's, he's, he's uh, in blur. And I, and I at the beginning, I, I really thought, is that Ed Harris back there? Because that voice just sounded <laughs> like Ed Harris. Uh, but then you see the, the, the hawk and, he, and I understood, oh, the hawk, that means Mohawk. That's not Ed Harris. Okay. But the way he's adjusting the mirror and dealing with him in the backseat, but Again, that firewall, that's a great way to put it, Tom. I love that. Kelly One, doesn't this make you like the gray even more? Which one was he in the uh, he was he had one of my favorite lines when when uh, Liam Neeson is like, OK, everybody gather anything that can burn. We've got to make a fire. And uh, and and Frank, <laughs> that's my that's my Liam Neeson. Everybody's like oh, picking up like pieces, 
pieces yeah. of the chair and pieces of wood and, and stuff. Frank Grillo, who wants no part of it, who's just sitting off in the corner drinking one of these little like uh, uh, bite-sized vodka bottle things. He's like – he finally like gets up and picks up a paperback book. And he says, OK, I got a book. It's called We're All Fucked. It's a bestseller. And he throws, <laughs> he throws yeah, it. That's pretty good. So he's the guy who doesn't want to help, who who's constantly like dogging – uh, Liam Neeson saying, who put you in charge? Um, yeah, he's a little less pliant than you. What? <laughs> so, uh, but he's the guy, just, he has a, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but he has a really poignant, he's, I think, the next to last guy in the gray, right? And he's got a really, oh, no, I think Dallas Roberts is. So see the he, water? No, that's Dallas Roberts. He, he, he's uh, the, I mean, I hate to spoil it, but he's, he's just, I'm going to sit down and watch the scenery guy. Yep. Yeah. Which, when you think uh, about how he starts as the complete asshole who's antagonistic to everyone, as the guy who's just was like, nope, I'm done. I'm going to just sit here and look at how beautiful this is. And he's got this great little speech about what his life is. I mean, you know what? If you don't buy it, if you, if you want the gray to be about <laughs> fighting wolves, you're not going to be into it. But if you want the gray to be about men coming to term with their lives and existentialism, which Kelly Wand, I would think you'd want that. You should I don't like I don't like idiots who string laundry together to cross a chasm and then it looks it looks super unstable and then one of them falls from it and then wolves are eating him and he's thinking okay so but up to that point you're okay with them though right <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> that's the weirdest genre ever I thought Liam Neeson was a bad leader in that movie and it was like so Dude, you don't guys didn't to see guy. did you see that weird Jason Bateman movie where his son is like cyber bullied or what the heck and where frank grillo is the the cyber security specialist I guess it's, it might even be called connected you know what jason I'm talking about? bateman That's, movie yeah wow it's pretty obscure but but frank grillo is Sounds like uh, he's like the the cyber like he's the normally you would cast like a computer nerd in the role but it's frank grillo playing the role that a computer nerd this guy who's like in charge of like you know, covering your tracks in social media and securing your accounts and like give me a password. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I really like scenes in movies of people thinking and like long silences. <laughs> and when he's in the tunnel, I liked the whole motorcyclist duel, but like he picks up on the guy while he's in a phone call. And uh, then the, he, I love the parking in the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, it's that really super. When someone's thinking on screen and as an audience where you're going, you're thinking what they're thinking. Like, okay, if I back up, this will happen. If I go, should I call what's his face? Do I get the gun out? No, I put it back. I love that shit. And I just want to say that as as someone who's previously tried to act, like that's a real gift. Like mm -hmm. normally I've, I've recalled times where I'm supposed to be pretending to think and when I just look at myself in a movie, I'm like, oh, my, I look so vacant. Like, like normally when people think, they just kind of blank out. Right. Uh, but the to, Michael to, Clayton. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. I should be so lucky to be like George yeah. Clooney at the end of that. But normally, like the, the kind of guy who can, who can, like you see gears turning. That's really yeah. not easy to do. Yeah. And it takes a certain kind of a face and a certain aspect. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I absolutely, Kelly. And that's, that's why Locke works. And that's one of the reasons that, Baby Driver is just so inane, I think, is watching that guy try to think and try to look clever and be stressed and dealing with a crisis. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I do love yeah. this, this sort of emerging uh, genre of basically cell phone thrillers. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not even technology thriller because we've had techno thrillers for some time, but this, this is specific to like cell phone thriller that 
when when he hangs up on a dude and he's waiting for the guy to call back or text him and he's waiting for a text and waiting for a text or waiting for a call and waiting for a call, that seems to me to be specific to the way that most of us deal with our phones. We're like, I just texted her. Why isn't she texting me back? Why is she yeah, read she's it? supposed to be there? Yeah. Why isn't she calling me? Why am I not getting a call back immediately? And the way that he deals with that after he hangs up and he can't, and he and he's like, did this work or not? This is this is one of those like gambits. That's okay. I'm, I tried it. Let's see if it works. You know. And Chris Markinson also says, you know, I remember Tom's three by three of scenes obsoleted by technology, but you couldn't use phones. Um, and and he says he would think it take, asks a lot of an actor to essentially carry ninety five percent of the movie all alone. And he would say that he succeeded, and he basically really loved this movie, or really liked this movie, even though he didn't like, he didn't get to see Locke. But I think that a lot of that is that what we're talking about here. This 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 weird sort of cell phone thing that has to go on in the car, and and while he was driving through that tunnel, Kelly, I kept thinking, how would this movie, how would this scene play out if if we didn't have cell phones, right? If, if that wasn't a thing, but. It wouldn't have to because that is the thing now. They know someone's different following. thing. Yeah. Well, you also it, it allows him because you you find out the guy on the motorcycle is working with a jazz guy or uh, whatever we want to call him, uh, and and so when jazz guy calls him and says, "All right, that's it," and then hangs up, that's when the motorcycle shoots. Like you you establish a link between the motorcycle and jazz guy. Like at that point, you're like, okay, that's who the motorcycle is is with. Uh, okay. And the, the cell phone kind of solves that is the fact that you can call in and announce, you know, this character says something and then the motorcycle does something. and You realize, OK, those are connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You couldn't have scenes of dialogue with the sedded cars with one person in the car until now. Well, you know, I do, you know, vanishing point. Like uh, yeah. it, it used to be, you, you'd have to pick up hitchhikers, for instance. Yeah. Like that would be the right. conceit in these early road movies: is you pick up a hitchhiker. Or there's even a point in Vanishing Point where, uh, like, a drug dealer has to drive up alongside him to sell him drugs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, now yeah. that we have cell phones, we we can uh, stick in. We don't need cars. to have hitchhikers anymore. Exactly. Right. Right. Screw those We've guys. Solve the hitchhiker problem, which is bad news for those actors and good news for voice actors. <laughs> Is Vanishing Point uh, Alan Dean Foster, or is that? Oh, good lord, Dingus! It's not science. Oh, get a load of Dingus, Kelly Wan. Sorry, Alan Dean I never, Foster. I mean, yeah. I, I don't actually I don't know. For all I know, it it's not. I don't think it. It can't be. It's a classic '70s uh, like existential car road movie, basically. Wait, oh, okay. What's Dingus right. thinking of? What's There's the Alan Dean Foster? Fiction. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Reading. I I thought of. I thought Alan. I thought I just have a picture in my head of a novel called Vanishing Point. Because usually you're right, and now I'm trying to think. Not, I'm going to feel not pretty silly right. if Alan Dean Foster wrote Vanishing Point. I can't imagine. I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, there's a moment where Clay says – I wanted to ask you guys this because something else Chris Markinson asks about was when Clay gets shot in the head, he would have thought that much blood or blood would have meant an instant kill. Um which I'm fine with because of uh, like you know when you get shot in the face in Fargo, uh, I'm fine with getting shot in the face in other movies. Um, but Clay says something weird, where he he says, "Did you you have wait you haven't switched cars yet?" Yeah, I love that. What is that? 
Um, I see it as he's shot in the brain, and so he's thinking. No, but he, well, he says, says it before, before he's shot. Yeah, he uh, says uh, something about wait. It, 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 it's as if there's another layer to this not conspiracy, but to the whatever's going on. He says, "Wait, you didn't switch cars yet?" As if uh, he was my, supposed to already switch cars. Right. I don't know, but my thinking is that at that point, that's when they were going to be that's ambushed part of the plan. by Jazzman. Like that, that he still got to deal with. Like I think he might have been thinking that maybe Frank Grillo got through that part and dealt with where he was going to get ambushed. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, or there was. It a seems to me that the red trunk was on purpose. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because for the motorcyclist, even, and the, also the money at the tracer, so they it was two different tracks. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, I thought it could be like I, they, I they definitely had to be traced. Such a like, weird line. You haven't switched cars yet. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, I'm at the wrong part of this plot. Let me get out and get back in a different part of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how pathetic Garrett Dillahunt was in in this. Oh man, he was. Yeah. Crazy. It's it's kind of like his character from Assassination to Jesse James <laughs> and in a from contemporary setting. And that, that kill was so gruesome. I mean, Markinson might be right. I don't know what it's like when someone really gets shot in the head, but you got the sense that it, it grazed his brain just enough to let him live a little bit longer before fading and dying. It's like a, yeah. a Jimmy in Free Fire. Who's the guy in Free Fire? Gary. What, Larry. Ooh. Yeah, Gary. <laughs> There's that great bit in Free Fire with a guy shot in the head and still weirdly yeah. functional but not quite making sense. Uh, that happens all the time in uh, Jack Aubrey. Just saying. People so getting probably, shot in the head and being nonsensical for a little while. Well, there was a guy who had a railroad spike through his head for decades, and he would like. Oh yeah, my my uh, my son just had to do a whole like a whole English lesson on that. He had to like <laughs> he had to read that whole thing and, and do railroad something spike called. Guy? What'd you say? Railroad yeah, the railroad spike, spike guy. guy. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember the name of the guy, but he had to do all of these weird – he had to learn how to take special notes. It's not – oh, God, what the, what are the name of the notes? It's not Copenhagen notes. Some, cliff notes. Some, no, they're not cliff oh. notes. <laughs> Gosh darn it. And now they're saying when you're beheaded, you're still conscious for a few seconds, although they thought that you weren't. They're like, wait, we were wrong. Never mind. So you can, you can feel – you can look up at your – Executioner, like in Thor Ragnarok. How would they know? That's true. Uh, one of the things I like in the script are the, uh, I don't know about red herrings, but the, the little moments of tension that Jeremy Rush introduces and they don't feel cheap, like with the keys. Like when he's telling his daughter, get in the car. Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, with the keys. And, and of course he would have the keys to his own car. Um and then when she does, she can't find it. And and then okay, no, here it is. Like there's a, the, yeah. a, a, any other script would just go okay. She gets the key, right. and then she. But this whole idea of, of introducing this extra tension about this moment, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, the guys are going to burst in at any moment. And then she gets out, and she's fine. And they save that gimmick for for the the, yeah. the poor hapless wife who we'll talk about in a minute. But I, I love these little uh, these little potential detours and and, and yeah. problems that that could. Co- pop up uh and one of them that surprised me what became of cheetah where was cheetah right. tonight f- because yeah. i was expecting well i was expecting yeah he's gonna be another he's gonna get a helper and it's gonna be like it's gonna be him and cheetah teaming yeah. up yeah. against the the philly mob <laughs> but, yeah. but cheetah never picks up the phone right. <laughs> nope. i kept well, expecting I, I, ving ving rames to show up and go right right exactly exactly that would be ving rames character name is cheetah <laughs> 
<laughs> and nope, yeah. Cheetah is AWOL tonight. He's not going to be in this movie. <laughs> See, both I, of have those you ever things. called it the shit drawer, though? I've always called it the junk drawer. It might be a Boston thing. Who knows? Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about this whole deal with the, the, the wife. I... Uh, <laughs> okay, so this is what Jesus. made me this is what made me pick a three by three for handoffs. Um, <laughs> the I, so we also real quick, what's the tape on his fingers? Do we oh, know? Like, is that no, a thing? Yeah, I remember race? seeing that. So that we don't know. Like, is that something that drivers do? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't, but that was it, it yeah. was a definitely a, a character detail, but I don't know what that was. So we also know he's got his lunch and he's super protective of it. And then we later discover, oh no, that's the Molotov that he's going to use to torch the car. So how does he torch the car and then carry the Molotov to burn the money? He has two. No, he doesn't. He has, he has, has one. He does not. We see one. We see him empty the bag to wipe the blood, Garrett Dillahunt's blood, off the windshield. There's an apple and a single Molotov cocktail in there. Maybe he mm. used half the gas from the Molotov. To <laughs> the Actually, Kelly, you might be right. Uh, but but there's clearly an accelerant when the car starts burning in, in the background. Yeah, but it doesn't do that weird – I did appreciate the fact that the car didn't do that exploding. The car's going to jump five feet yeah. off the ground. Right. Well, they didn't do. Yeah, when he actually uses well, the Molotov, he doesn't do that either. It's just a little bit of flame on the front of the the SUV. You know, um, I think Kelly might be right. I think he might have just poured some of it out. Maybe some of it really was his lunch. I know. I, I, that's like lunch. Well, the bigger cheat too. I mean, it is so inane. Why does the mom go out like that? That made uh, me think they they must have like shot. They there were problems with shooting, and they had to shoot around the script. Or that made no sense. That he's Your mom's safe. She's at a diner 50 miles from here. Yeah, Let's we, drive to it. That she got because, to the, because the Philly because of his arrangement with the Philly guys. Uh, the, Wait, the well, guy they said, Look, with the Philly we'll guys. take care of her. <laughs> no, but, but they, they didn't. The Philly guys weren't there. Like they they were, that the plan fell through. <clears throat> no, but he, he runs off with her. Yeah, but if the Philly guys had been there, they would have Why helped he, him during. Uh, thing. that's a good point. Yeah. And he, he wouldn't. He, Thanks he'd for be the like, wine. Come on over to the Porsche and let let me just hand over this stuff. But he yeah. he he has to. Part of the deal is, I think he has to lead the guy in to be killed by them. Right, and that's the problem yeah. is that they don't show well, up in time. That's why when he's chasing when uh when he's in the car with his daughter, which again, don't have your daughter in the car during a car chase. Like have her go hide or drop her, take her to the police station or something like that. Yeah. Again, the last time I'm going to make a Tom chick cut of this movie that ends with Katie pulling out of the parking garage. And that's where it this ends. This is not in the movie. <laughs> That'll be my cut. Uh, uh, so, uh, um, yeah, anyway, yeah, so you're he's, probably right he's left the that. parking garage and he's on the phone with the Philly guys. And he's like, okay, where were you? You weren't there. Okay, well, where are you now? And that's when his daughter's holding the phone up to his ear, and they say oh. where he is now. And he says, okay, stay there. I'm bringing him to you. Because yeah, the plan good. was that they were going to be there, and they weren't. So the new plan is he's bringing Jazzman to them. Uh, right. That's a that's an imp- improvised montage. Oh, into the ambush. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, also, diner. I am willing to say – a certain number of gunshots, a certain number of 
I'm going to take an automatic weapon and pull a dude out of a crowded bar. I will allow a certain number of those things to happen before I'm thinking, come on, where are the cops already? Like all the gunshots, Shea Wiggum having a shootout with him in the middle of an intersection. I mean, okay, I'm all right with that. By the time the mob guns down someone in a parking garage and then standing there casually taking the money and nodding and he's buttoning his jacket you know this this uproarious gunfire has just gone off where are the cops why are they're at the bank dude that's the thing they keep the the cops you never see because they're always at the last uh actions (laughs) i I think in boston there are more than there are plenty more cops than there are that it takes to cover one bank robbery kelly wand i'm pretty sure that's a great thing that Frank Grillo does, though, and and I think that this is matched by what they're doing with the sound design, which I think is wonderful in this movie, is that whenever there is a the sound of a cop car, you, even if it's if if it's not related to the scene, I think there's a there's a sense of him looking over his shoulder, and then going, "It's too far. I'm fine," and then going back to what he's doing. Right. He did that when he was counting the money. He's like, "Yeah, it's blocks away. Going west." Well, he's just aware. He's constantly yeah. aware of everything around him. And that's, I think, just Frank Grillo. And I uh, I hope the director and Frank Grillo are working together. Yeah. Although he doesn't hear the motorcyclist at first while he's counting the money. Yeah, that's a problem. And he doesn't find the tracer. <laughs> when he's counting the money twice, he doesn't find the tracer. Yeah, he should hand off the tracer to Josh Brolin and let him carry it into <laughs> Texas. Uh, I will say Shea Wiggum does not seem to fare well in exchanges of automatic gunfire <laughs> in movies. Not his forte. Nissan cop car. Shea Wiggum. <laughs> I love that guy so much. I just—he's <laughs> so weird in this movie. Like that is—that is—that appearance. Like, why are you being antagonistic? Not just to the driver, but to your yeah. partner. Like, what, what kind of dude are you? Who wants to work with you? <laughs> That's how he always is. He always plays that guy, though. And Fargo. Well, you know what? He does it. Kelly Wand, you've seen Vice Principals, haven't you? The, the Danny no, right there. everyone's hassling me to see He's it. got a, a really fun, just just average, nice guy part in Vice Principals, which is really fun to watch. Like a good oh. stepdad. He's so much fun in that. Uh, and, and, you know, going back to Splinter, like he's the good guy in Splinter. Uh, yeah, I, I love that guy. Uh, That's how bank robbers probably are, though. They're probably like, <laughs> I probably really annoying to be with. Like that's they could make money through social means, so they're like, "I'll be the asshole with a gun in the bank." I do that's love how that bank robbery is going on in the background. We're like, "You should pull up closer," and he's and and that's all going on in the background while he's on the phone in the car, and. Yeah. And the focus isn't yeah. on the bank robbery. It's just these yeah. guys are running around in the background while he's dealing with this domestic situation and this uh, other, like, everything's falling apart situation in the yeah. car. And meanwhile, there's this bank robbery going on in the background. And then the guy's asking dumbass questions. Like, How's the bank robbery? Okay, I love that, he's tell- that he wants no part of this guy. Like, he's not brooking yeah. this foolishness. He's telling yeah. me, like, fuck you, I'm not counting the money. Yeah. Like, he's just so annoyed and peeved at this guy. Yeah. He's not intrigued. He's not fascinated. Yeah. He's not curious. Yeah. He's just like, shut up. I'm here Who's to do one you? thing. Yeah, exactly. He's like Parker in the park. And why is that guy asking him to do that? I mean, how are you going to count 200 Thirty thousand dollars individual 
bills. How are you going to do that? Why does he ask him to do it again? What does it matter? The money doesn't matter. Well, I think it. I, I mean, he's I think because he's going to use it to buy drugs. Like, I think he wants to know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know, Dingus. Like, I, I love no. that the movie doesn't explain stuff like that. But yeah, the impression yeah. I got is that he knew the money was going to get handed off, and he was going to be party to getting a certain amount of drugs for it. So I think he wanted to know how much. How, how much drugs he was buying, I, I don't know. But I got the sense that because it was going to be part of a financial exchange, he needed a specific number and not just, here's about 200 grand. I don't know. By the but middle of the second count is when the motorcyclist shows up. So he said that to give the motorcyclist time to get behind. <gasps> Kelly oh. Bond. Kelly. Look yeah. at you playing three dimensional yeah. chess with the script. Nice. Boom. Yeah. Boom. That one's yeah. dynamite. Well done, that Kelly one's, Bond. That one's easy. Let's Why see. I have other cyclists just. Drive up and shoot him in the back of the head and make the money. <laughs> well, because they're they're wanting to frame him. They're wanting right. to, uh, yeah, right. It makes um, sense up to a point till the studio notes kick in. But I was also like, when the when the other guy goes, "Hold your daughter," he's like thirteen. Like, oh, that's the answer you're supposed to give. What if you say fifteen? Like, ah, oh, fuck her. Thirty six. No, talking about his, he's talking about family at that point. I mean, yeah, but what's it matter? Kind of a nice. What? Why does it matter how old she is? If she's eleven or nine or fifteen, or he's just—they're just socializing. Ah, uh, very good. Maybe Kelly Wand, uh, the mob guy has a daughter also, and he's just wondering how oh. much. If I would, maybe he wants to send find out. Send me a picture. Of yours. I'll send you a picture of mine. Oh, I think she, she can drive. Ah, right. See, I'll recruit she's her like, next. He's like the emperor. I think oh. I've told you guys this before, but there's a terrible movie. Uh, with Michael Caine called The Swarm about killer bees. And it's a, it's a, it might even be Irwin Allen. It's a disaster movie about what if killer bees came. You missed that awesome movie. Pardon? You missed that awesome movie. <laughs> is it really? Come on. I, I haven't seen it since it I was awesome a kid. Because I, even I know a quote from it. I never thought it would be the bees. Well, there's, there's a scene where the, a family's having a picnic and the killer bees descend on the family. And there's like a boy who was like whatever age I was when I saw it, uh, 10 or 11 or whatever, and the killer bees descend and they murder his family, and now they're after him, and he runs to the car where they're in a picnic, and he has to drive the car away. He's 11 years old, 13, whatever. He's a kid. He doesn't know how to drive, but to escape the killer bees who've murdered his family, he has to drive a car away. And I remember watching that thinking – Oh my God! If I was in that situation, I would have no idea what to do. I don't know how cars work. I wouldn't yeah. know like how to what buttons to press or what things to hit with my feet. That kid is so brave. Like that was my thinking watching the swarm. Do you remember uh, the scene where Henry Fonda injects himself with the bee venom to test a cure, and it doesn't work, and it goes on? It's just him going, "All right." And he's recording it. He's like, okay, I'm going to inject myself with the venom. Okay, it really hurts. All right, I'm really in a lot of pain right now. Oh, my God. What the fuck have I done? Oh, Jesus. It's not working. Okay, I'm dying. Uh, it was my only scene in the movie. Oh. Does he die? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is an awesome. Wow, I don't remember that. He's himself for five minutes of the movie, and it's his only scene. That's that so great. Wow. I thought there's a little, there's a little Jeff Goldblum in that, by the way. Jeff Goldblum oh, in the swarm? No, but in the way Kelly did that, in the way he spoke so quickly. Oh, well, I was just trying to, you know, he speaks really slowly in the scene, but I didn't really, I, I undercranked. Wait, overcranked? I undercranked. I undercranked. 
It's the one. Is there a moment in this where she stalls out and then she takes yes. a moment? Yeah, yes. it's great. It's when when uh her he's she's like mom and uh Frank Grillo runs off and you're, and then she she's going to rescue her dad and she stalls the uh, the Porsche out yeah but she takes a moment yep. catches her breath and then redoes it and I loved that moment because thing is yeah. speed and timing right so touch the breast then one two three not only you and me got one eighty degrees and I'm caught in between counting one two going to kick the can down the road and do a three by three with our uh, murder on the orient express podcast oh boy so, uh yeah this this will be an abbreviated podcast lucky you listeners uh so no three by three uh because Probably we've got stuff. some some travel plans and we don't know when one of us is going to be around the internet this might be as far as two weeks off so we're not sure maybe even three uh, so basically, I'm just warning you guys, there might be some unexpected downtime. We don't know for sure what it is. We'll find out more in, in the coming uh, days and weeks, uh, what sort of internet access one of us has. But until then, keep sending in your 3 by 3 of your favorite uh, examples of someone saying the word no. I think Dingus <laughs> said he preferred that they yell it. You can send those to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. And if you check out Murder on the Orient Express, starring... I think everyone uh, send us your thoughts in a separate email to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com. And we'll I just be, thought of a good do. We'll save it for your three by three, Kelly Wand. Or do you want to tell us what it is now? No. Very I good. See? See? You said exactly what I thought you were going to say. You just played played right into my hands. Jawa to Tuscan Raider. <laughs> Kelly, Sorry, no one knows what you're talking about. We had a, a lengthy discussion before recording about what Jawas and Tuscan Raiders might be like under those robes and bandages. No one knows. <laughs> we don't know if there's you're making it sound like a way different discussion than what it really was. You're That's making it, it sound was. sexual. No, oh no, no, not like what they look like naked. What do they oh, look like oh. under those bandages? No, I, oh god, <laughs> Kelly Wan, it was not the least bit sexual. None of us is sexually interested in Jawas or Tuscan Raiders. I can safely say. That's what the tubes are for on their eyes. Hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. On that note, I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Moronsky. It's Christian Moronsky. And Kelly Wand. The Jawas use that suction tube. You can get a whole bantha in there if you position it just right and you tickle its belly. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, Yes, sir? Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Trump's like an orange hulk, but fat. Jesus, you got a low opinion of people. Oh, look at him. Listen to him. What? Is that in the movie?